Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Macro Compass. Something will break, but the real questions are what, when, and where? After years of zero interest rates, such an abrupt tightening is bound to break something, but indeed, we want to know what, when, and where does something break? When rates are low, credit is cheap. And so financial actors tend to lever up more aggressively. That's that's what we have seen over the last 10 years. That levels increase, and so does the coverage of government debt. So we hear stuff like, the US government will go broke. Uh, This is not sustainable, etc. Yet, the reality is that governments are the issuers of fiat money, and therefore they can always nominally meet their obligations by issuing more debt. That obviously has limits as well. Over time, doing this, they will depreciate the real value of the currency and relentless fiscal deficits might also lead to inflation overshoots. But my point is that governments can still kick the can down the road for a long time, but you know who can't? You, I, and in general, the private sector. Because if our mortgage costs as a share of disposable income move higher, We cannot print money to service our debt. If corporate borrowing costs soar and earnings growth does not dramatically improve, companies will also be quickly forced to deleverage or to cut costs. So, in general, it's a good practice to keep an eye on both government and private sector debt levels. Have a look at the first chart in the article that shows the higher total economic debt, the lower rates must be to keep the system afloat, but during macro shocks, countries with high and rising private debt levels are more vulnerable than countries with high public debt levels. And history shows that that's indeed the case. Look at the second chart in the article from my friend Dario Perkins. The Japan real estate crisis in the 1990s. The Asian Tigers crisis, late 1990s, the Spanish housing crisis, early 2010s, China, very likely now. All these episodes had one thing in common. Private sector debt was too high and it was rising too rapidly. Funnily enough, the obsession with government debt levels skews the vulnerability assessment that we hear today towards the wrong countries. It's countries that keep deficits super contained. They have low government debt levels, but they are starving the private sector from fresh resources and therefore households and corporates go and lever up privately. Have a look at the third chart in the article. You'll find that most of the countries with very, very low government debt levels end up having a ton of private sector debt. Take China. Their official debt levels are very contained, but behind the curtain, They've been aggressively leveraging up their private sector, chart number four. And if you do that too fast in an unproductive way, problems, as we're seeing today, will tend to occur. Or chart number five, take Canada, which has made a large usage of real estate debt to spur a domestic wealth effect. Today, Canada is running a higher private sector debt in percentage of GDP than Japan did just before the implosion of their own real estate market in the 90s. The coverage we're hearing today, it's not much on China or on Canada, but mostly on the US. And instead, if you take a look at the US, chart number six, 
you will find that their private sector non-financial debt as a percentage of GDP today is 20 percentage points lower than it was in 2007. While mainstream media commentators obsess about U.S. government debt, despite also the fact that the United States enjoys the privilege of issuing the reserve currency of the world, the dollar, private sector leverage trends in the U.S. show a relatively benign picture if compared to other countries around the world. And I can almost hear you asking me now, what countries score the worst by this metric? The table that you see at the bottom of the article can help you quickly assess in which countries private sector debt is too high and it's been rising too fast over the last 10 years. Now, obviously, levels and rate of change in private sector debt are not the only variables to consider when assessing when, where, and what will break in macro. We also need to consider other fundamentals. The nature of the private sector sector debt market. So is it floating based? Is it it fixed rate based? Is it a short-term oriented funding market or a long-term oriented funding market? What about the upcoming refinancing cliffs and many other variables? Therefore, this was just the appetizer of my investigation into what will break in macro. The good news, though, is that I will be serving you the entire menu soon. So stay tuned. But before you leave, two important points here just to wrap up the article. The first is learn to master bond markets. Again, even in this assessment, bond markets are crucial because even if a country is particularly vulnerable to macro shocks, it doesn't need, it doesn't mean that something will uh, break there. The combination of these vulnerabilities and these crucial but sometimes hidden messages the bond market is sending that will put you on the right path. So you need to master the bond market. Obviously, the problem is where do you get the pro-level knowledge of the intricate and technical bond market in a way you can understand it? Well, I unpacked it all for you in the Macro Compass bond market course. That has added a lot of value for customers. I left a couple of feedbacks in the article where you can see what kind of comments we're receiving so far. I'm very happy to say it's been really greatly received by customers. So if you're interested to mastering the bond market, go have a look at the links in the article about the bond market course I just released. And last of all, if you enjoyed the piece and hopefully you find this post valuable, please do let your macro friends and your colleagues know, share the article and let me know by clicking on the like button. Said that, Enjoy your weekend and always stay hungry for macro.